You're listening to the Greatest Multifamily Investment Advice Show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to the Greatest Multifamily Advice Show. Today, we have Dalia Parsum, the founder of Streetwise Mortgages out of Ontario. Please help me to welcome our guest. How are you, Dalia? I'm excellent, Adam. How are you today? Thanks so much for being with us today, and I appreciate you taking the time. So, My pleasure. Before we start, I would like to start with your beginnings on, on the multifamily investing, on the lending side, and what was the beginning for you as an investor and a mortgage broker? Well, um, I started Streetwise 11 years ago, and when we first started, we were working uh, primarily with investors who are looking to build up a portfolio of investment properties. And then over time, investors grew with us and got to a point where, you know, they've acquired 20, 30, 40 residential Mm -hmm. properties, and they started to um, uh, diversify and get into bigger asset classes like apartment buildings, mm. smaller developments, and uh, spice it up a little bit with construction from the ground up and renovations mm. and um, the first strategy. So um, that's basically uh, where we where we serve today. We serve the investors who are starting their journey, as well as those who are scaling up in the middle, as well as those who are now doing the fancy things with respect to uh, growing their net worth and, and uh, getting into different asset, class, asset classes, including larger apartment buildings. 100%. So uh, because our show is more focused on the multifamily side, I was trying to highlight something as more about the lending rules and the complication when you're dealing with different legal structure. For example, if you have a bird trust agreement uh, or uh, a joint venture or the most uh, completed structure, which is the GPLB side. So on the bid trust agreement, what is the, always your um, uh, advices to the, the actual investors about the structure of the deal? So there are various ways to uh, raise capital in a multifamily deal. And Adam, you've touched base on some of these structures, the joint venture structure, the uh, bear trust uh, approach, the GPLP and the corporate uh, structure with shareholders. And which which structure you go with depends obviously on who wants to be the front runner for the uh, more and do uh, take on the personal guarantees and and how is the money uh, also raised so the most two common structures that I see in multifamily are the GPLP and the corporate structure with shareholders I see less of the joint venture structure Mm. and the bear trust now a bear trust uh, structure is a structure where someone is really buying an asset on behalf of another entity. And uh, some lenders don't like a bear bear trust structure because in in the eyes of the lenders, they want to know who will guarantee the mortgage. So when someone is buying something and they're buying it on behalf of another entity through a bear trust, um, I would recommend that, that uh, they disclose the structure to the lender because the lender at the end of the day um, will want to see who's 
actually who they're actually dealing with, what's the legal entity for 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 mortgage purposes. Joint venture structure um, is a structure where you have a partner, and that partner may or may not be part of your uh, legal structure. Sometimes I see them as part of the corporation. Uh, sometimes I see them outside of the corporation as a joint venture partner. Uh, obviously, whether they are in or out is a function of um, how uh, willing they are to participate, mm -hmm. I guess, in the personal guarantees and decision making. Again, my philosophy with lenders and with clients is to uh, help everybody manage the risk and um, disclose what needs to get to get this close to structure uh, a deal to the benefit of everybody involved. So when you have a joint venture partner uh, who's bringing money to the deal, there are ways to bring them into the corporation without involving them in the personal guarantees. If the, if the front runners on the deal are strong enough and they have the real estate experience and they have at least 25% net worth uh, to support the loan, you don't need to worry about your JV partner's uh, paperwork as much or them participating in the personal guarantees. Having said that, um, there is, of course, some paperwork required, like personal net worth, sometimes that the lenders will ask for if there are other people involved, involved in your deal and they're, they're passive. Um, so, so that's on JVs. And then when, when it comes to corporations and GPLPs, at the end of the day, they're both vehicles to pull money from other people into your deal. And I can only say, here are the tips and tricks to reduce or, or, or minimize the chances that the lender will involve your passive investors in the mortgage process. But I cannot guarantee they won't, but I can give you tips and tricks to, to reduce that you know, possibility, which is, if you're raising money, okay, if you are raising money, whether it's a GP structure or a corporate structure, yeah. you want people who are facing the lender or applying for the mortgage to have at least 25% net worth of the loan amount being applied for. And net worth could be net worth in properties and, and all sorts of assets. Hmm. You want them to show that they've got the sufficient, the experience to, um, yeah run the building so if they're renovating a building is this their first project or do they have someone on their team and um you want them to own at least 50 percent or more of the venture um if you're going to give shares in the business to other people who are bringing money my suggestion is to limit individual ownership below 20 percent because then the lender looks at deals and go okay who are the people who can guarantee my mortgage here are they strong enough and if the front runners are strong enough and they own majority and the others own minority um, then that that basically reduces the chances of involving everybody in the hefty paperwork that is typically involved in uh, in a multi-family deal but at minimum i would prepare everyone for a personal net worth statement so, so these are these are my my comments around around these structures that we so talked about. I think one of the things is different between US and Canada also is the amount of the guarantor value. So you mentioned here in Canada, we were talking about 25% for the guarantor who's guarantees a loan to have an actual 25% um, of uh, equity or assets equal to the actual loan. In the US, I think it's a uh, is different value. 
but this is another subject is uh, when you're saying that offering share or share uh, shares to the LPs is better to limit it to 50% of the whole loan, correct? So two, two points here. The 25% net worth, Adam, is if you're asking for loans above 65% of the value. Here in Canada, yeah. if you're asking for 65% or lower, you can arrange a non uh, a no recourse loan. So yeah. not um, you don't require these personal guarantees. But obviously, if you're going above, the, the personal guarantees yeah. are required. And they're negotiable depending on the nature of the deal. When it comes to the share ownership, what I was referring to is as an asset manager and operator of the building, if you can own 50% or more of the business, then the lender is looking at you primarily for the personal guarantees. But if you're pulling money from people and they own the majority of the business, if you are individually not strong enough, they're gonna the lender will probably want to tap into the guarantees of one or more of the participants in your deal. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I was just giving you some some general guidelines as to how to reduce uh, that possibility because a lot of investors want to want other people to bring money to their deal, but they don't want them to you know provide all this paperwork and the personal network statement and credit reports. They don't want their investors to be heavily involved in the paper yeah. process or in the personal guarantees one of the subjects is always is uh, when you're closing on the gplp structure is as uh, actual loan payment and for closing and when you're uh, as you mentioned uh, having a pool of money is when you have a commitment or hard commitment with your investors to close so from the lender perspective uh, usually here in canada we close between 69 to 90 days to close the deal on the multifamily. So uh, from the lender perspective, what is the recommended uh, timeline for hard commitment for all of the passive investors? For uh, their commitment on so, the, bringing the money in? Because you're so, not gonna bring three, $4 million in just two days. Yes, yes. <laughs> Are you talking about how, uh, how long the history on the money or are you asking the history about... and the money to show that the money is ready for the to close the deal so let's say uh, you got the deal on august 1st and you have to close by uh, october 1st uh, when is uh, yeah. what is the preferred guideline for the lender to have all of the down payment ready before closing the deal it, it, it really depends on the lender. There are lenders who are comfortable with only 30 days history. There are lenders that are comfortable with a snapshot of the money in the account. And there are lenders who want 60 Correct. or 90 days. So it really depends on the lender 100%. and their appetite for risk and how comfortable they are in the, um, the applicant or the primary applicants on yeah. the application. The um, history, so the history be, be behind. The history between yes. the lender and the, the guarantor or the, the syndicator. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. So Streetwise has been dealing, I think, with different lenders, A and B and C and D. But on, on, on always on on um, I think right now with uh, with the challenges with inflation, uh, how you see the market now going on on the, the A lender and B lender with with uh, with the deals. So across across the board, we're seeing the lenders um, 
I guess, move forward with more cautious, I, I, caution, sorry. I wouldn't say they are cutting back significantly or uh, overly concerned, but every time there is a change in the environment, and it even happened during COVID, the lenders take a careful steps forward and they start to ask a little bit more questions. And, and we're starting to see that across the board, both residential and commercial. Having said that, having said that uh, there is still quite a bit of funding going through. Um, I think lenders right now are primarily concerned about exit strategies on multifamily buildings because the interest rates are going to rise. Yep. And if you're, let's say, getting construction financing or you're going to renovate and increase your NOI, as we all know, all of the loans on buildings rely on two things, value and uh, debt rate. coverage. So rates will impact debt coverage 100%. and interest rates, when interest rates rise, um, I've, I've read research that cap rates would rise, which, which would impact values as well. Yeah. So the lenders are thinking about the environment ahead and they're being conservative today a little bit in terms of giving money away because they want to make sure they're going to be able to exit at a higher interest rate. That's what I'm seeing. 100%. So basically... Uh what always if you're conservative and you're doing your own underwriting if you're doing the deal now is four percent you're trying to have the, as you mentioned have an exit strategy was 5.5 because you don't know what's going to happen but you, you you're telling me that the different lenders have the same perspective of the exit strategy but uh, what is the most conservative conservative um, um type of lenders, A now or B, or all of them with the same basically guideline from so, perspective of the, the exit, exit strategy? I'm, I'm referring, when it comes to exit strategy, I'm referring primarily to um, the multifamily lenders that are yeah. doing conventional loans, CMHC loans, yeah. and alternative loans. Uh, the private lenders, um, are still lending at relatively high loan to values. I haven't seen them cut back significantly in the multifamily space, but I've mm. seen them cut down a little bit um, on the residential side of things, especially on bigger properties, bigger residential properties. So again, mm. two different buckets, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, different asset classes, but um, Yes, exit strategy mainly is a concern right now for conventional alternative and CMHC-based Is this the only thing right now is a big issue is inflation or also the appraisal side? Is there any pushback uh, on other elements with the lenders right now on the multifamily side, whatever is A or B or uh, MAC? The, the, the concern is around the impact uh, of a rising rate environment on future equity takeouts and valuations and cap rates. That's number one. Hmm. Um, there isn't, I know inflation is a big topic right now, but the lenders are not talking about inflation. They're talking mainly about the rates. And um, on the residential side, they're talking about 
slowing, uh, softening values because mm. when in the residential space, when rates go up, you've got uh, sometimes demand softens a little bit uh, because affordability gets impacted and mm. properties are no longer selling for the 100,000 above asking with 30 yeah. multiple offers. So the sold data is now changing a little bit. So if you're doing a refinance or buying a new property, you're buying at a slightly lower price depending on the market you're in. So the residential lenders are more concerned about appraisal values. Yeah. The uh, appraisal values and their concern heightens on residential properties that are not mass market, like the higher end properties. That these are typically the ones that tend to feel the hit harder than the mass market properties that are more affordable. Affordable on the commercial side, rate conversation going on, but it's more around future impact yeah. Yeah. on the exit strategy, equity yeah. takeouts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My next question is going to be far from lending. Is you, uh, what was the upside for you between single family and multifamily investment uh, on the investment part? What you prefer as an investor? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not either or for me. For me, it's about a couple of things. And, and, and it differs. At, if you had asked me this question, Last year, my answer would have been different than several years ago compared to today. It's a function of how much time do I have? Who is on my team to help me get into the strategy? How much and how much capital and what do I want out of it? Yeah. So my portfolio has been primarily focused on um, you know, things that add value. So garden suites, uh, buy, renovate, refinance, mm. rent. Uh, I've, I've got uh, quite a bit invested in private money. Uh, Long-term buy and hold is always my favorite. Um, I've been an investor in multifamily in a passive way mm. versus mm. active way. Again, because to run a multifamily uh, effectively, it's like running a business. And I- uh, You have a business have <laughs> I have a, a, yes, I have a, a business already. And um, to participate in that asset class, I have to be passive. But uh, now I'm going to play a more active role as, a, as an operator and an asset manager, per se, because I have the right team behind me. Welcome so to the team. That's, that's been my approach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, my... uh, but it's not either, it's really not either or. For me, it depends. What am I looking for at any point in time? Am I looking for cash flow? Am I looking for quick cash? Or yeah. am I looking to build up net worth? Or am I looking for a passive versus active? And at any point in time in my investment journey, that, that answer has, has changed. So when I first started, for example, when I started early, early on in 2008, I wanted cash flow. And yeah. uh, what did I go for as a first strategy? It wasn't buying a property. It was lend out private money because that immediately brought cash flow to the table and then from there i took it into a buy and hold and then i started to to diversify from that point onward so what is your target market right now like when you're looking for single family or multifamily what is your target market i like markets that still offer a fundamental fundamentals from a real estate uh, yeah. standpoint so i yeah. i look for the old same you know the, the the old old fundamentals 
Is there employment? Is there transportation? Is there infrastructure expansion? Are there people moving on? Um, what is happening in that area? And that's where I always choose to invest. And of course, some of these areas may be more expensive than other areas, mm. but that's always been my philosophy of investing. And um, it's typically within four, four, I would say four to five hours maximum away from GTA. And I, I invested north, I've invested east, um, I've invested west. Again, it depends on where the market fundamentals are strongest at any point in time. And if the rent to price ratio still makes sense. 100%. My next question, is, which V is going to be my final question, which will be from Egypt to Canada to scale your portfolio to work and open a business, how you can define your superpower or strengths? I have no superpowers. <laughs> you do. <laughs> my, superpower, my superpower is really um the people around me that's uh that's really what it boils down to i was actually thinking about this uh recently and my superpower is the people are the people around me the people on my team uh my husband uh my family i have two young uh kids and when i started street i was uh pregnant mm -hmm. and uh it's the family support that i get that helps me deliver my best every day because there is so much hours in the day. And if you want to build a business, you have to do things every single day and do them consistently and <laughs> yeah. keep going at the same direction. And there are good days and there are bad days and um, the support around you and having the right people by your side uh, is really my number one secret, uh, followed by having a clear vision of where I want to be and just working on it every single day, as much as it's many steps, these many steps really build up. So that's really what it boils down to. Yeah, this business is about connection to be consistent. And yeah, yeah 100% agree. Thanks so much for being with us today. And again, there's, there's, there's one more thing I want to share on that point. Sorry, Adam. It's actually the third thing, which is about um, adding value. Adding yes. value um, and um, giving before expecting to take or to get a return back. Adding value is really huge. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I was trying to ask you something else. If the people want to follow your success, how you they can find you online and approach your uh, uh, your company. So if, if they search Dahlia Barsoom, I'm present on all uh, social media outlets. And if they would like to connect with the, myself and my team, whether they're building a residential or a commercial portfolio or scaling up, uh, it's an email at info at streetwisemortgages.com. That's perfect. And I hope we can see you next, uh, next year on the multifamily conference again. Yes, very, very <laughs> possible. It was a great conference. Uh, we liked what we heard about uh, uh, Streetwise and uh, how you help the people on getting their uh, goals and reaching their goals. Again, thank you a lot for being with us today. And we're really happy to bring you again to the show to focus more on some of the certain products on the multifamily and single family 
and uh, it's, a, it's a good subject, especially on the multifamily, because I see an actual gap on this on the market. So yeah, we're really happy to bring you again here and appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you a lot.